Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We highlight Erie people and Erie issues, and certainly uh, an issue that has... Um uh, definitely universal one, and certainly it's not one that Erie is immune from, and that is the incidence of cancer, breast cancer here. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month this October, and our guest is Heather Stemka. She is uh, she is a survivor. Well, tell us your story, Heather, and welcome to the Joel Natale Show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a two-time breast cancer survivor. Um, I was initially diagnosed when I was only 28 years old. Wow. So we, um, and ironically, it was on April 1st of 2003. Um, and I found my own lump. Um, and it was just by chance. And I, at first, I thought it was nothing. I thought at that time, I hadn't heard of people that young being diagnosed with breast cancer. I, I kind of associated it with, you know, um, grandmothers and people who were older than myself. And I had two small children. I was going to school. I was working. Um, and I just thought, I don't, have, I don't have time to call the doctor and the doctor say, it's nothing and, and try to make time for doctor's appointments. So I kind of put it off. And um, finally, after um, actually my mom um, continued to ask me if I had called the doctor, I did more so for her than my own self. Right. Um, just kind of was like, mom, it's okay. It, it's all right. We don't have to worry. And um, went to my, um, my gynecologist at the, at the time and she um, thought the same thing. You're too young but we'll just check to make sure. And um, went through all the steps, went and got the mammogram and sonogram. And lo and behold, right then and there, they had told me it had all the characteristics of cancer. And and what what was what was that diagnosis? What level was it? And and what were what was your prognosis? I should say that first time. Right? Um, it was um, stage one. It was invasive ductal carcinoma. So um, we had found it did not get to the lymph nodes yet, which was very, I was very lucky. Yeah. Um, we caught it early enough. It was aggressive. Um, and, I, and I was shocked when the doctors had said it could have been laying dormant for 12 years. And I thought, that's crazy because I was just a teenager right. when it would have, could have been sitting there. So um, I ended up going through um, chemotherapy radiation. Um, I also went through um, a lumpectomy. And um, about a year after my treatments, I thought I was a little bit, you know, getting better and found out on top of that, I had to have a hysterectomy on top of that. So we had genetic testing done. I didn't carry the gene, um, which I was very, very lucky about. Uh, It made me feel a little bit better knowing that I had a young daughter that would have to worry about it later in life. But, um, so I think it was in March of 07 that I went and had some reconstruction. Um, 
things were going really well. So that was March of 07. And in November of that same year, I thought I needed to get comfortable doing self-breast exams. I had all doctors looking and I thought I needed to get comfortable. And when I, I performed one, I immediately found another lump in the same spot. In the same spot. Wow. In the same spot. Yeah. So and that's um, even after the lumpectomy. Wow. Yes. Yes. And the radiation. And mm -hmm. um, so we were, of course, very devastated by that. Um, I was worried about what was going to happen to me, worried about my children, um, just all of the what ifs. And um, so we, I think it was in January of 08 that I ended up having a bilateral mastectomy, um, did the chemotherapy again, and um, no radiation because everything was removed. And um, Had that gone to the lymph nodes, the second one? No, it had oh, not. Okay. And um, they also had said that it um, it was very similar to the first one, but there were a couple different changes. There was a spot in the other breast that they would need to watch. So I thought instead of having to go through this a third time, that um, I just decided to have both breasts removed. Right. And, and um, I mean... Have, through that genetic testing, did you find anything that would have given you some warning earlier on before you were had that very first diagnosis? How does that all work? Again, there's a lot of folks that – I mean, there's a lot of new knowledge that I guess is coming out with breast cancer, isn't there? Yes. Yes, there is. And, um, and I'm not a nurse or a doctor, so I don't want yeah. to give any of that type of information, but um, – but when we did the genetic testing, nothing was found. But ironically, when I was diagnosed the first time, I think it was within six months of my diagnosis, I had a first-line cousin who had been diagnosed. She lived out of state. And within about three to six months of her diagnosis, her sister also was diagnosed with a different type of cancer. So, um, and unfortunately, both of them had lost their battles with their cancers. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so we were, we were very surprised when the genetic testing came back that there wasn't something, but it was negative. Wow. Okay. So again, uh, nothing is 100% foolproof. Everybody wants a formula, Heather, right? Everybody mm -hmm. wants that exact roadmap. Well, if I do this, 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 and this, it'll all work. That's just not everybody's story, is it? No, not at all. And and I joke, and people that I know know that know me know that if something's bound to happen or go wrong, it goes wrong with me. Oh, <laughs> so we um, just... we kind of are you Eeyore? You know, <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Well, and we kind of expect it. Yeah. Um, so so um, and that's how we we got through a lot of my treatments was humor and being very upbeat and we just didn't want, I mean of course everyone has their their moments and and you know you're worrying but I wanted my children to see that I was strong and I wanted to be strong for them and not let it affect us completely I mean it was affecting our lives sure but, so wow uh, the the um what like what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your resilience? Um, 
I realized how, how strong I had to be. Um, I, I just, I knew I had to face it and get through it. And the first time I was diagnosed, I really didn't reach out to people. I just kind of wanted to barrel through, get done with my treatments and move on. And then the second time I was kind of like, you know, maybe if it, I talked to other women or found other women that it would help not only them, but myself. And um, that's when I actually um, started. I don't know if you're aware of Link by Pink. Yes, sure. But um, I started Link by Pink, and oh, it was wow. very therapeutic for myself. Um, it just connecting women in the community and you know, the amount of things that we've done through that organization, which I felt kind of led me to where I am here today at Allegheny Health. All right. So talk a little bit about what you do at Allegheny Health, because uh, I think it's neat where you're basically helping women navigate the, this. Well, again, if you think about how this this happens, right, they, they catch something either in a mammogram or self-examination, uh, right? Boom, they get they get this news. And then it's like this flood of information, flood of decision making. You're there to kind of help them. You know, you're like, you know, Lewis and Clark, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to paddle through uh, the raging waters of the Missouri and and this new era of their lives. Right. Um, I do. And we have wonderful um, navigators here mm-hmm. that are disease specific. They're okay. nurse navigators that help them get through their diagnosis and realizing what has to come next and, and setting up everything. And, and my role is helping the patients with the support aspect of things. And that's why I'm very excited to kick off this month, the cancer wellness and support programs. Um, and I just think it, it's with my own personal experience of the breast cancer and, and being in that world that I can relate to to what the patients are going through. There's so, no doubt. And I usually yeah. share that with them. Sure. So. There's no doubt about it. From AHN St. Vincent, and I want to talk about what you have to offer up there because, um, uh, first off, gorgeous new location, right? Gorgeous new facility there. Uh, uh, what, what, is the, what is the official name of, of the cancer center there? Um, it is actually the St. Vincent um, AHN Cancer Institute, St. Vincent Erie. Gotcha. AHN Cancer Institute, yeah. St. Vincent Erie. Gotcha. And you you do the cancer wellness and support programs. You you're part of the coordination of that. Uh, and and I would imagine that goes just be that goes beyond breast cancer, right, Heather? Absolutely. It is open actually to all patients or all. Um, community members that have went through a diagnosis. It could be any type of cancer and it's free and open to anyone. So um, anyone is more than welcomed um, to come. And and we do have a couple different um, things. We have classes um, like tonight, we have a yoga class going on and therapeutic art making classes. We um, also have a variety of support groups, including um, a woman's group, caregivers, prostate, um, gynecological, general support groups. Um, and we have educational lectures. And um, speaking of breast cancer awareness, we have Dr. Saldana, who is our breast surgeon here, 
on October 22nd from 5.30 to 6.30. She is having a question and answer session um, on mammogram myths. So I'm actually looking very forward to listening to that myself. Is there a lot of folks that um, either are afraid to get their their screenings? I, I, whenever we've talked about cancer, it seemed like the number one issue, and we'll talk to the Cancer Society in a little bit about this, but the number one issue is people put off their screenings or, or blow them off, right? Well, and I think people do tend to um, have that fear of what if, um, even like myself, when I first found my lump, I waited because of that fear. Mm. But um, it, it's better to get it done because early detection really is the key. Yeah, yeah. You you really are buying yourself years of life if you can nip it in the bud early. Yeah. The um, so 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 uh, the doc is going to be talking about some of those mammogram myths. Um, there is there is a lot to talk about too that when you have a new facility like yours all the technology is brand new and so on and so i mean it, we're we're up to like digital mammograms and there's there's a whole lot going on um that people it, it's just not it's not your grandmother's uh situation w- you know with breast cancer in 2020 right right absolutely and and not only are the tests different, but, you know, COVID has wreaked havoc on, on everyone. Wow. So um, I know, you know, things were kind of put on hold, but we're now back to the screenings. And, um, you know, especially here, we're, we're taking very, a lot of precautions here because of COVID and, and in the offices and also with, um, with the wellness program, we do have different options. Um, we have Zoom options. We have in-person social distancing. People can call in. So um, everywhere, we're very safe and cautious with the COVID. So. Talk about emotional health when you're dealing, especially when you're in the middle of treatment, right? And again, mm-hmm. uh, you, you it's been a while since you've had your treatments, but uh, I mean, you, you layer the you know the ups and downs and and the the real physiological conditions that go with chemo or radiation right mm-hmm. and surgery you know recovering from surgery and then you then you have to you've got the 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 covid-19 pandemic and the isolation part of this this has got to be a tough time for cancer patients it has it really has and and i hear this a lot from our patients is they do feel alone and isolated and, and, um, you know, because of the precautions, you know, that they can't bring a loved one with them to treatment. So alone and, and, but we have to remain safe because of course they're at a higher risk. Um, so we, we, um, and that's one of the reasons I'm very excited to start the programs is to give them somewhere that they can connect with other people. Um, because you do. And even years after you don't realize sometimes those layers that are sitting there, um, Mm -hmm. talking to someone. And, and like I said, I, I share my experiences with people. So there might be a day where it surprises me that when I'm talking about it, you think, wow, I went through all of that. And, you're just kind of like, wow. And, and it is nice to have other people to talk to about it who experience some of the same things. Do you get any sense that Erie 
is above average or below average on incidence of breast cancer. And again, you're, I know that you're not a doctor, but just anecdotally, uh, you know, from, the, from your experience, do we have a lot of breast cancer in Erie? Um, again, I, I don't know statistic-wise, but I just know that um, through, like, the organization and the people that I meet, there are a number of people that are diagnosed. And uh, going with breast cancer, more and more people, it seems, that are younger are being diagnosed, unfortunately. And again, that's why it's important to get those those early tests and and um, and just get it all taken care of so that way you can start moving forward with getting your treatments and, and being able to move forward with it. Now, I, I want to just ask you about Linked by Pink for a second here. I think you guys are famous for the, the, the bowling tournament, right? Am I, I got yes, that right? Yes. Is, now, how yes. do you how do you pull that off in the pandemic? Well, we um, we are planning it, and we have we have the dates, um, but we just kind of have to play it by ear and and just hope for the best. Is and it usually in the winter time, Heather? Or? It's usually in um, the end of February. Okay, so, so it's a a, yeah. a while yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like that organization. What's so cool about it is that there's a fierceness. Is that that's not even a word, right? But there, there is, there's a little, there's a little edge. There's a little bit of a, you know what? We're we're survivors, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get emotionally charged about our recovery. Yes, and they do, and and they are a spunky group of women. <laughs> that um, I guess that's a good way to put it. Sure, very spunky. And they're still living lives and we get together and we laugh and we cry, but we laugh and we have fun and we don't let it stop us. And, and there is the real side that some, we know some women won't make it or, or haven't made it and we're there to support each other. So, but the great thing I think about Link by Pink is it's the community now that we've been for so long, um, the community comes out and helps support and the funds stay local and, yeah. and we are able to help the community, our neighbors and our family. And so less than a minute, or how do people kind of plug into some of these cancer wellness and support programs that you coordinate at St. Vincent's? What's the best way to, well, to they, outreach? The best way to find out what we have available is by going to ahn.org under events. Um, people can give me a call at 814-452-5463, or they can email me at heather.stemka at ahn.org. What a pleasure to talk to you, Heather, and, and your story is inspiring, and I just wish you good health, and uh, and now your kids are probably getting grown, uh, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so. yeah. You know, you're you're in different. Oh, is that right? Okay, wow, yes. wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it's a different season of life. I appreciate your yeah. your uh, sharing your story with us here on Talk Erie, and, and great to meet you. Nice meeting you. With us uh, via Zoom is Tina Caldwell, and Tina, thanks for joining us here um, from the American Cancer Society. Thanks for having me, Joel. Excited to talk about uh, breast cancer and the American Cancer Society and, and health in general.
Absolutely. So, all righty, uh, tell us a little bit what, about what you do with the American Cancer Society and, and why this is an important month for you all. I work with a lot of wonderful and talented volunteers and staff who are out in our communities trying to empower folks to uh, take charge of their health and also help others through fundraising. So this is, of course, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And when we're looking at breast cancer awareness, about 277,000 people will be diagnosed across the United States with breast cancer this year. And that's wow. huge. Um, unfortunately, about 42,000 will die. And I I don't know about everybody else, but Joel, that's not okay with me. No. Um, I re- we really want to see more people um, beating this disease if they're diagnosed and reducing the risk of getting this disease. And of course, it's not just a woman's disease. Um, We're looking at about 2,600 men nationwide will get this disease also. So it's really something that affects everyone, whether it's direct with a direct uh, diagnosis or it's a friend or family member. And so this it's just one of those things that we really we think there's some things folks can do to reduce their risk. And although we can't completely prevent it, we want people to um, know what they need to do to to have the best chance to defeat breast cancer. The 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 almost 50,000 new cases of carcinoma in C2, which is that that very early form of breast cancer that that stage zero or the, you know, in the site, uh, that's that's what you're trying to to screen for. Right. Is to catch it as early as possible. Absolutely. A few years ago, uh, we were able to hit a 95 percent success rate for folks if they were uh, diagnosed early on in that where we're looking at that nearly 50,000 new cases of the in-situ carcinoma. And so we want more of uh, if people are going to be diagnosed then we want to do more earlier. Of course, we we don't want anyone to be diagnosed with cancer at all. We'd like everyone to to be cancer free. But if until we get to that point, we want to get the earlier, the better so that we can make sure that folks have a chance at a long, healthy life. And really, the only way to find that is through a mammogram, right? Well, now there's... um, they really need to work with their doctors on how to the best uh, screening. Um, a lot of people do uh, mammograms. A lot of doctors prefer that. But I know some folks, it's been ultrasound. Okay. So it's really kind of what the doctor, their doctor thinks is best. And they really need to look at their doctor as their partner in, and helping them to stay healthy. So that it's really kind of, you know, between them and their doctor, the best way for their screening, because there's a lot of factors. So um, if you have a, a family history, you know, where you, things are going to start, we want things to start a little earlier. Um, if you're considered high risk at all versus not having a family history. So they really need to talk to their doctor about that. Of course, we do have screening guidelines um, that you know, for people of average risk that we do promote. What? How hard is it, or especially in, you know, yeah, I mean, in Pennsylvania, as mind you, you know, a few months ago, there were there was very little of uh, the screenings going on. Right. I mean, has it been a, a right. tough year to do diagnostics here because of COVID-19? It has been. It has been very rough. Uh, COVID-19, um, although we understand it, unfortunately, a lot of 
places were shut down, whether they were treatment centers or shooting centers and folks. Um, we had about 76% of people uh, across the cancer spectrum say that their treatment was delayed or diagnosis was delayed because of, of shutdowns be, uh, with COVID-19. And of course, one of the other things that has been um, that could be very detrimental is that research labs were shut down. Mm. So we had lots of research going on about breast cancer. And when those labs get shut down, whatever is they've got in Petri dishes or whatever is growing, of course, is now not being monitored. Um, things that they wanted to try can't be done. Now, luckily, some are starting to open, but those months that they were shut down, it is, is concerning just because of the fact that we know we don't want to lose ground against this disease. And, and we, we need to be very, um, very focused on cancer in order to minimize its impact. Okay, so give us some uh, macro uh, looking trends. Has there been less incidence of breast cancer over the last 20 years or more and why? There has been a decrease in mortality rate. Okay. Um, so that means we've had more people surviving. Um, there was an increase in incidence for a while, and we believe that's because people were actually getting those screenings. They were being proactive on their health. They were going, they were getting the screenings, doing what they needed to do to, to eliminate the impact of cancer, and then the reduction in mortality. And, and of course, you know, let's start with that. Let's reduce mortality. Sure. Well, then we'll get to reducing incidents and, and we'll have more people um, that we can talk with and enjoy and celebrate more birthdays. Well, and you guys say that it, we don't know how to prevent re- uh, breast cancer, but there are like risk factors uh, and there are lifestyle choices that would reduce the risk of breast cancer. Talk about those. Absolutely. Um when we look at things that people can do to reduce the risk of breast cancer, one of them is a reduction in alcohol use. Um, that's not the most favorite thing I've said to some people. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? It's like, no, don't take that away. But truly, reducing it, we're not saying none, but a reduction in alcohol, um, engaging in physical activity, maintaining a healthy weight, of course, uh, staying away from tobacco. Uh, we know tobacco is linked to all types of cancers, so we want them to do that. And then also really just, again, working with their doctor to be that health partner to make sure that they get the screenings when they should, being honest with their doctors, um, whether they're high risk or not. So um, just a, as a personal note, on my side, when I was 32, my sister was diagnosed with mm-hmm. breast cancer. So that's when I talked to my doctor about that, that of course changed the whole outcome of how she was going to work with me to make sure that I did not, you know, I didn't get it. Or if I did, we got it early stage. Um, so, so that changes and no, her knowing I was high risk is really helping us to make sure that we are being as proactive and fighting it off as best as we can. We're talking to Tina Caldwell from the American Cancer Society. Uh, no calls right now while she's on the zoom. Now there's, there is this, um, you know, age-based procedure that you go after. Um, and and unfortunately, Tina, there's been a lot of confusion about uh, mammograms and when those should start and all that stuff. So you give us the latest, greatest uh, guidance here. Uh, 40 years old, you start, start worrying about this or before then? So 
like I shared, I am considered high risk because of my sister's diagnosis. So that's a conversation. And my, uh, for me, it started way before 40 because okay. of that high risk. So if we're talking about people of average risk, we're saying around 40 to 44, it's a choice and they need to talk to their doctors and they should have that, that choice. They, you know, why? is best from 45 to 54 absolutely annual mammograms or if they need to um you know if if their doctor says well a different format is better whatever their doctor is going to guide them with and then once they're 55 or older they should continue yearly screenings um and depending or every two years and that's again depending on that relationship with the doctor their doctor may say like look, you've had absolutely no symptoms. I think we can go every other year. You know, there's no history in your family or the doctor may say, oh, I realize you haven't had any, but there is history. So we're going to, we're going to continue. And again, it's really looking at that partner, um, that doctor as their health partner and knowing what their screenings are, because sometimes I, I actually talked to a lady one time, she was 86 years old and had never had a breast screening. I just, I looked at her and she said, and I ended up with cancer <laughs> at the very, you know, just a few months ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. But we do have to remember sometimes the doctors do get busy and we need to be our own best friend and our own best advocate and, and say to our, our medical professionals, hey, you know, what should I be doing about this and kind of reminding them. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, the uh, you know, there's also the genes and so on. Again, it, it's all Absolutely. about kind of understanding right uh, where you're mm -hmm. at on the risk mitigation process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And knowing that and not being afraid to ask. Um, I had a grandmother who she talked about you could get sugar or you could get the C word. And probably until I was 10, I didn't know why we bought sugar because it seemed like it was a bad thing. <laughs> like you go to the store, you get sugar, but you don't want to get sugar. Right. I don't understand what that means. So, you know, and then as I got older, older I realized what sugar and, and, and the C word was, but not being afraid to find out that family history and asking your family what they do know it, and find that out. Cause I like, after she got older and I realized what I needed to do, my great grandmother died from breast cancer. And I didn't, oh, wow. I never knew that until I was in my twenties. That's, that's, that's tough. The, um, all right. So, so right now, if, if you're concerned about, uh, you know, uh, in contact and all that stuff, you could start out with talking to your doc with telehealth and, and figuring that out. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Whatever way works best, um, the thing to not do is ignore things. Mm. So have that conversation, telehealth, be honest and upfront. And if you're not comfortable with that and you want to see them in person, again, be your own best advocate and, and make that request. Wow. All right. Let's talk about, because we're down to our last uh, five, ten, five or six minutes here. Uh, talk about how COVID-19 has really impacted the American Cancer Society because, again, there's no events and you guys really depend on events, don't you? Absolutely. We depend on events throughout the year to help us fund our mission of saving lives, celebrating lives and eliminating cancer. And without the events, we've really faced a threat to our mission unlike any other with COVID-19. 
not only has it kept people from getting screenings or being able to see their doctor, but for us, our grassroots fundraising, not having the events has caused a huge shortfall. Um, actually, right now, we're looking at about a $200 million shortfall, um, which has resulted in about a quarter of our nationwide workforce being laid off. Um, cuts in, in anywhere we could cut that would not be a direct impact on the fight against cancer. And truly, if we can't raise the funds that we need to meet our adjusted budget, um, we may have to look at cutting research. And, and that is something that just makes me sick to my stomach. Absolutely do not want to ever have to do that. And of course, we have services we want to provide to folks and make sure that they have access to care, um, the ability to get information when they need it through our 800 number or our cancer.org uh, site so that they get what they need when they need 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it really has had a huge impact on the American Cancer Society and what we have been able to do. And, and you know, a lot of people participate in the Relay for Life. Uh, did you try to do that virtually or any of that kind of stuff? Or uh we sure did. We tried to do some things virtually. Um, we had a virtual week at the end of June in Erie um, with our Relay for Life event. And folks folks hopped on and off and joined us in different activities. Um, but again, it was virtual, so it just was right. not the same experience. And, and we did see that reduction in fundraising. Wow. Okay. So the... Um you know, then there's this the true threat of COVID-19 and if you have cancer, if you're already uh, immune compromised, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So f folks with cancer, especially those undergoing treatment, are immune compromised. So they have to be very cautious about not getting COVID-19 because they could cause a modification to their treatment schedule or a modification to their ability to get treatment. And we certainly, certainly do not want that um, with COVID-19. Um, we don't want them to be sick with that and have to battle that and not be able to, for their body to fully battle the, the cancer. So that is definitely something we have to be worried about. And even if they're not in treatment, they may continue to have a compromised immune system. And of course, we want to keep everyone as healthy as possible. So COVID-19 is really just kind of under uh, undermined some of the fight mm -hmm. against cancer, but we're not going to give up. We are, we're in it for the long haul and, and we're going to defeat this disease. Absolutely. All righty. So, um, Let's let's talk about uh, the solution side, okay? Uh, okay. Again, we've got about uh, two minutes left here. Um, people want to help. Again, cancer has touched nearly every family uh, in Western Pennsylvania, certainly across the country and around the world. But so, what can we do? You know, to you know, first off, protect. You know, make ourselves healthy or uh, contribute to our own personal health through breast cancer awareness, but also to help the cancer society. There are a couple of great things coming up that folks can be involved with. And one that we'll be starting this weekend is our Making Strides Against Breast Cancer event. With COVID-19, we've had to modify it, kind of do a virtual, but we've also taken Making Strides Against Breast Cancer to the parks, as we're calling it. And we've set up six parks across Northwestern Pennsylvania where folks can go and they can see signage about information, they can scan QR codes and hear 
uh, videos uh, from survivors and ways to reduce the risk of cancer. And we really, really would love for them to go to our makingstrideswalk.org slash Erie site and register and help us with some fundraising if that would be possible. But one of the things about going to the communities is the fact that these folks can go and participate as it feels uh, most safe to them. And then we also have a group of 15 men across Northwestern, Northwestern Pennsylvania, excuse me, that are um, leaders in our area and they are working to raise money for the fight against breast cancer during the month of October. And if um, folks go to Real Men Wear Pink slash EriePA, they can find a real man that they can support uh, financially or even offer to help uh, with their efforts in the fight against cancer as they continue to uh, share awareness and raise much needed funds. I, yeah, I think the uh, the otters coach for the Erie Otters is uh, a yes, real man West wearing Wolf. pink. Yeah, West Wolf. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a good tip there, and I'm sure you could find multiple. What's that? What's that? That last email again or website? Excuse me. The, uh, for real men, it's yeah. real men wear pink slash pa. Eerie. Okay. Eerie. Excuse me. Slash PA uh, Erie. Beautiful. All right. Well, we're yes. we're pretty much out of time here. The uh, Tina Tina Caldwell from the American Cancer Society. Yeah, I I I, I guess I'm little um, I'm little speechless to hear that you've taken a two hundred million dollar hit because it's just so important what y'all do. Yes. You know, I mean that's that's. I, I agree, and and. It's scary for us because, you know, we want to eliminate this disease and to know that there are people who weren't able to get treatment and there's research not being done to advance the fight is 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 uh, scary. And uh, in my team and folks like me and volunteers, we're determined that we're going to we're going to help and we're going to take care of this and get rid of this disease. So help the Cancer Society and by all means, get your screenings done. If you've been pushing it Absolutely. off. This is the time to do it, right? I mean, again, pretty much all Absolutely. the docs are back in the office. You can do this safely and and uh, and and make sure that you're 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 yes. doing the right things. All righty, thank you right. so much, Tina thank Caldwell. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, it's breast cancer. It's it's what you know. The big ones are lung cancer, breast cancer, and skin cancer, right? And you gotta you gotta make sure you're keeping track of all that. Absolutely, and colorectal cancer. Can't, oh. We've got to get that screening also. Can't forget. Absolutely. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.